listening to the Females in Finance Meet the Author Show with host, male ally and author, Tony Stewart. On Meet the Author, Tony will interview diverse authors so you can discover new financial and leadership strategies for women and male allies in the financial services community. This episode is proudly presented by Paperwork. Be prepared for life. Welcome to the Females in Finance Meet the Author Show. I'm your host, Tony Stewart. The Females in Finance Meet the Author Show is sponsored by Paperwork. I'm pleased to be joined today by Andrea Bullard. Andrea is an author, business coach, and the CEO of Andrea Bullard and Company. Andrea is a former Division I volleyball head coach of a nationally ranked, as well as head coach of a nationally ranked track team and head coach of a women's college basketball team. In this episode, we'll be discussing Andrea's book, Turnkey Secrets, The Ultimate Guide to Building Your Multi-Million Dollar Wealth Management Practice. Andrea, welcome to the Females in Finance Meet the Author Show. Thanks, Tony. I, I really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So I always like to start out by asking people, what is your origin story? How did you get started as a business development coach? Oh, that's a great story. It goes way back when. My passion um, has always been in coaching. Um, as you said, I played Division One volleyball, and uh, that's when it wasn't fashionable, by the way, for women to be in sports, but that's a whole different story. And uh, went on to have a national rated track team and uh, research in college, worked under some of the best Olympic or world-class coaches and uh, came out East to teach at the, and coach at the college level, but then got married, had my children and came out of the workforce. When my kids got a little older and I decided to come back into the workforce, um, I didn't have a business degree and I wasn't gonna go back into coaching. So a friend of a friend of mine, uh, her husband was starting um, a new, he was becoming a managing partner for a big insurance company. So they introduced me, he needed a right-hand person to start working with him. So I started working with him. And after a couple months, I went up to him and I said, I want to coach your financial reps and advisors. And he looked at me, we had a great relationship. And he goes, Andrew said, what makes you think you can coach him? You've never sold insurance or investments. And I said, well, because I'm watching your coaches. So he was nice. And he was just patting me on the head to be nice to me. And he said, all right, I'll give you two guys. And these guys have been in the business 17, 18 years. And I went up to him and said, I want to coach you. And they kind of laughed. I go, what? And I said, well, no money's exchanged. It's just time. Let's try it. So everyone agreed. We started in September. That November, one of them, his production was number one in the agency. And the other man, the next year, doubled his production, only worked four days. And that was over 25 years ago. And since then, Tony, my business has grown through referrals. Well, that's fantastic. You know, and I think that's, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, you said something that was really key there is double the production and reduce the work hours. And that's efficiency. Uh, And that's, I think, what we all strive for. So that's, that's impressive, you know. Um, So, you know, let's talk a little bit about your book. Your book has a great title. Turnkey Secrets, The Ultimate Guide to Building Your Multi-Million Dollar Wealth Management Practice. How did you come up with the title? Um, 
I want it to be intriguing. I think the industry is a phenomenal industry and they have a great selling system. But I think what's never talked about is how do they build their business? So a lot of financial advisors and reps, they got in the business and they were trained on how to sell. They were trained on how to fact find. They were trained in products. They got licensed. They learned you know, the facts. They learned whether they were CFP or they got their master's of tax. They really learned how to work with clients and do planning for clients. That was their training. But there's a whole other side to this. They were promised when they first got in, um, and I, I challenge everyone who's listening to this to think, what got you in that business? I always like to ask reps, what got you in the business? And it was because people said, you can have time freedom, you can have unlimited income, this is what you can have, your life will be great, right? Mm-hmm. But then when I speak with them, they're like hair on fire, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I have all things to do. I, I can't just see, get to see people. I'm doing all this other stuff. Maybe there's other people that relate. And I realized what they needed was how to build a business. They needed, mm-hmm. they are building a business and they needed to wrap their brain around that piece because if they don't build that business, they don't get that piece and always think of themselves as a salesperson, they can never get that time freedom. They're always going to have their hair in fire. They're going to be dabbling in everything. So the secret, which is turnkey secrets, was how do these guys do it? They seem to always be on vacation. They have tans, unlimited income. What did they do differently than everyone else? Oh, well, now you got to tell me. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, I'll, I'll tell you a great story. So this was about um, 17 years ago. So I created a top mastermind group in New York City. And I actually had younger, brand new guys in the business. They were in their second year in the business. And it was at that time that I began to see when I wrote my first book, I began to see that this whole business element, that they needed to have businesses and they needed to have systems within their business and hire the right people. So these were second year reps in the business. And I had a whole mastermind group of them. And the two top salespeople in there, both equally talented. One got the concept of he had to build a business and, and hire people and have systems. And the other guy said, no, it's just about high activity. I'm not going to worry about that. All right. So let's go forward several years. The one guy that was building the business worked underneath me privately. I helped him set up systems because there were systems for the industry, helped him hire actually for a while he was in debt because he was investing in the business. And the other guy, mm-hmm. everyone laughed at him saying, this guy's crazy. He's spending time doing all this stuff. This is silly. Let's fast forward them about seven years later. The guy that said, let's just do activity. I remember seeing him in the hallway and he came up to me, he used to call me Mrs. Bullard. He was so funny. He says, Mrs. Bullard, every time I see you, I get depressed. I'm like, that's terrible. What do you mean? He said, I wish I had listened to you because here's where they were both at now, seven years later, the guy that built the systems the team, he was making multiple seven figures, had time freedom. The guy that just focused on sales, didn't pay attention to anything else. He was still struggling. He was, he couldn't keep team. He was struggling. He was by himself. And he saw what this other guy had built and he knew the difference. And I think he wished he had done that. 
Yeah, I, I think those are great points. And what I heard you say earlier as well is I think it's important is people don't realize that they, they are running a very small business in some cases, but it is a, a business and it goes beyond just, you know, if you're a financial planner, creating financial plans, you know, you have a whole business side, you have accounting, you may have employees and the whole thing, it, it is a business. Um, so one of the things you talk about that I, I think is so important is you talk about vision. Why is vision important? That's a great question. So vision is what I call the first of four pillars. So the turnkey secrets, one needs four pillars to build it. And I always start people with vision and people say, what do you mean by vision? I'll say, what are you building? Because if you build the wrong business model, which a lot of them have, they never get out of this hair on fire. I have no time. So I always sit people down. I say, tell me what you want. Tell me, let's begin with who do you want to hire? Let's begin with, and I like to ask this question. I, I'll, so this is vision. I'll say, what would your business be like if you could build it and you never had to be there? And right then and there, they kind of look like, what do you mean? I said, what if you could build it and you didn't have to be there? What if it ran by itself? And they said, well, I like it. Well, so you could opt to be there whenever you wanted, but you know, you got into this business, you could have a month vacation. You got in this business, you could have time freedom. That business model, that vision you're building is either going to give you that or not give you that. So for example, if you hire people that replace what you do. So let's say you hire someone that's a smarter case designer than you are. You don't have to do that anymore. If you can hire someone that's brilliant on marketing, can even prospect for you, and can schedule new appointments for you, that takes it off your plate. And if you have systems in place, you have this team, so all you have to do is see people. And when you're done, basically it's like a machine, you just give case notes and they do everything else. What would your world be like? So this goes back to that vision. What are you building? Who should be on your team? Do you want systems? What type of business are you building? We have to get clarity on that first. Well, that's great. Yeah, I think clarity is important in knowing where you're going. It's hard to get there if you don't know where you're going. Otherwise, you're just driving. Um, and I think that leads into the next question. You talk about an A-team. I'm assuming you don't mean Mr. T. Uh, so what are the principles of an A-team? Well, you know, again, that's a great question. And many times I'll say you need an A-team. So I have a simple theory about building this business. You can't have an A-team with B players. So people will say to me, just look at you asked, what's an A-team? I said, well, it's funny. You, you have to define that to find those people. So think about this, Tony. If I said to you, what's an A-team for you? You'd be like, well, what do you mean? So I'd begin with, what are the characteristics of people, first of all, you would love working with? Give me an experience. Who are people you love working with? Who are people you hate working with? Let's rule out the ones you don't like working with. We're all different. There's no right or wrong, but who would just drive you crazy? Then let's go back to the next thing. Do you want someone that's highly energetic, positive, or do you want someone that's negative? Do you want someone that takes ownership of the business or someone that's just nine to five, they don't care and they walk away? Do you want someone that's a thinker? Do you want someone that completes their work? Do you want people that are brilliant from a skilled standpoint? And this is key. Already they have knowledge. Maybe they're a CFP, CPA. They come in with knowledge. They hit the ground running. They can fly with you. Or are you hiring someone inexperienced, which I commonly see done, 
And if you are, I go back and ask this question. Well, who's gonna train that person? Is that you? Are you a trainer? How long does that take? Time and money. So this goes back to defining that A person from the personality traits to the skill that you're looking for, to what I call, what are the, are they socially good? Are they gonna fit in with the rest of your team? What do they want? And the last piece of people thing I like to ask them is, you need to know before you hire someone, this position, where's its growth? And people say, what do you mean? I'll say, well, if I'm an A player, smart, motivated people don't stay in dead end jobs. So if I'm an A player, I wanna grow. And if you're gonna interview me and I don't see growth in that position, I'm either A number one, not gonna take that position or number two, that position will be a stepping stone. I'm gonna work for you a while, get some knowledge and I'm gonna spring onto something else. So we've gotta stop the revolving door. So those of you that have the revolving door ask, what is the growth for that position? You won't lose people then. Does that make sense? That- it, that, that makes perfect sense. And I think that gets back to, you know, your sports background is, you know, I was a basketball player and, you know, that's, it, it's fitting the pieces together. It's not necessarily finding the best five shooters, um, you know, that you need a balanced team and, you know, you need certain skills. And I'm sure as a coach did that, you know, as a coach, was that something you took in mind as, you know, who would make the team? Is that the principle that you're applying here? Absolutely. And you know, Tony, it's, it's, it's a difference of night and day. Having, and so for example, I had a nationally rated track team. I'll go, I'll, I'll go back. Let me talk about that for a little bit. That makes me sound so brilliant. Well, a couple things about that. I used to say I had the horses. And what I mean by that, I just really had incredible talent. There's 165 girls, I had a lot of them, so a lot of talent to choose some, but I had the talent. But here's the second thing that I was taught by Olympic and world-class coaches. When I first came and got that team, I was like, high school girls, who can coach 165 girls? Like, it's like hurting cats, you couldn't. It's just me, and I really didn't know everything, wasn't brilliant about everything with track. Here's what I learned. I then hired Tony four assistant coaches that each of them were 10 times more brilliant than I was in their area. In fact, one of them learned Seagraves. He was actually on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So here's where I was brilliant, hire people better than me, right? They really were. And, be, and with all of us, we created this master rated track team while I was the head coach. So kind of like, well, we all got the accolades, but that made me, me, me brilliant. But the truth is, I just hired people smarter than me. So Let's relate that to this industry, right? If you're egocentric and you want to be the smartest guy and it's all about you, think about this. It's all about me. I want the clients all come to me. I'm going to do all the case prep. Didn't they hire me to do it? I'll get that many times. I'll say, well, did they? What if you hire people smarter than you? That means that case design, whether it's taxes or business planning, you're going to put together a smarter plan and you don't have to do it. You rely on this brilliant think tank that you've created. And now your clients have a team. They can ask them a question, your team members, and it doesn't all land on your platter, which gives you time back. And then you don't have to feel when you come back at the end of the day, you had 20 questions from clients that are high level you have to answer. So you're right. The same principles apply, Tony. 
that I learned when I had this national rated track team applied to this business, same principles work. Definitely. Well, you said something in there and I was making a note is about a think tank. And I think that's really key is, you know, that's how you think about your team. Are they a think tank? Are they equals where you value their opinion? Or are they, <coughs> excuse me, or are they just employees? And, you know, what are you looking for is clearly as a coach, you weren't afraid of somebody challenging you on ideas and the, the way you did things. And, and I would imagine that's how you thrived is because of that kind of input and feedback. Well, I think that's such a great point, Tony. And that's exactly the point. I mean, if you go back, I think this industry is making the transition that years ago, the medical industry made. Remember years ago, it was just the medical doctor on the corner. Oh, and yeah. You have some secretaries and you go in there, right? But then they realized, we realized, so for example, if you got a, you know, if you got very, very sick, more people would go to teams of doctors, to clinics. So mm -hmm. they transitioned from the solo doctor to a team of doctors that each within one area were brilliant. And as a team, they could serve the client better, you know, the patient better. I think that same transition is going to occur in this industry. And I'm seeing it occurring with my clients that when you bring a prospect in to meet your team, think about this. And you're introducing, let's say I have a team on advisor and I'm introducing my team and I say, this is John Doe. He is a CFP. He's one of the brilliant planners. This is Jane Smith, masters of taxation. She's going to do the tax planning. You can see I'm introducing my team that prospect of that referral is going, wow, I'm going to be well taken care of, which they would because we've become a think tank with the planning. And then that client can ask questions of all of us. And so this is the vision. This is where I think this industry is going. It's going to go with this brilliant think tank, but I'm going to add another dimension to that. I think again, and I think advisors out there will know one of the biggest problems they have is I'll use their language. They feel like they're always pushing the rock up the hill alone. And what mm -hmm. that means is they're always prospecting alone, right? If they're on a team, that's their job. And again, go back to that first question I asked. And that was, what if you build the business and didn't have to be there? And here's what I'm building now, Tony. And this is what the book talks about. Why don't we build a team? That's all brilliant. But why don't we build prospecting concierge team? In other words, if I'm not the only one that can prospect, if I can have three members that can prospect, my whole world changes. So think about this. If you could hire three team members and they could each bring in 10 million of AUM, each of them through prospecting, they were concierge. And let's say I'm bringing 20. That means my practice is bringing 50 million in a year, but not all from me. And so, and people say, well, it can't happen. Staff can't do this. I'm proving they can. I'll give you a great example. There was a team member that came on board when I saw this as being the future. It was he and an advisor, he was director of ops, brilliant guy, CFP. And I said to him, you know, I think you can prospect and run this. And he was overwhelmed at the time. He said, I'm thinking about quitting. Go back to my point. He couldn't see a future in this. I said, don't hmm. quit. Go back and talk to your advisor and tell him where you wanna be, what you wanna build. He did. Let's fast forward four years later. They have around six people on their team. He himself is now getting himself out of director of ops through hiring someone. He himself brought in already year to date, 13 million of AUM. 
him because he started there. He could see a future. He was bright. So he built the team, but the team he's built, everyone's doing some sort of prospecting. It's just building a different model, which means this advisor is so happy. All the advisor does, by the way, is see people. That's all he does. And he's, he's happy, happy, but he's got other people on the team that are also seeing people. Well, that's great. And I, I think that's mindset. And, you know, I think that's a good lead in. Uh, one of the things you talk about is the play to win mindset. Uh, can you share with us what is the play to win mindset? Yeah, I think that again, and that goes back to what, what I'll even roll in leadership to this whole piece. Again, I look at advisors and a lot of them are very competitive and, you know, which is great. They came into this as, let's say, salespeople competing, bringing big clients, you know, in the business, opening, closing cases, right? But the play to win mindset is that. Let's play to win. Let's define it. But I've done a little twist on that, Tony, meaning that if you want your, this goes back to leadership, many of them will say, I want my team to buy into the success of the business. So I will, with the advisor in the room, I will say to the team members, define success to me. And many of them will say, well, my tasks get done at the end of the day. If I do a good job for clients, I do a good job, whatever. Then I say to the advisor, define success for me. And he'll say, when I bring in so much AUM, when I bring up so much premium, when I generate so much, and I'll stop the whole team, I'll say, you're playing a different game. Success is differently. Let's define it as one. So what I do is I create what I call from the Bullard game plan. And team members love it because now they're in the game because here's my feeling about this, Tony. They'll say to me, yeah, but I'm not in sales. They don't understand their role to the success of sales. And this goes back to something, Tony, you and I were talking about the experience that the client has with them. Understand that even that receptionist at the desk is the beginning. How they treat that client or prospect coming in matters, right? It's, it's huge. How every person that talks to or emails or messages that client, how do they make that person feel? Do they know that person? Do they have a relationship? All this matters to getting referrals. All this matters to the business growing, to that person feeling like, wow, this place is amazing and talking about that place. So when we play to win, we're all playing one game. We're all playing, we all play, we all have a role to that game. It's kind of like football. You know, if you look at football, they all have different roles. Does the quarterback win the football game? No, because he doesn't have a good receiver. He can be a fabulous quarterback, bad receiver, not going to catch the ball. Well, let's say they're great. Well, if he can't get the ball off because his guards aren't protecting him, we're not going to win. So every role is important. I view this industry as the same. And the end game of football is to win the game. The end game of this game is to hit the goals for the company for the year and everyone benefits. So that's a game-changing leadership strategy. That, that gets buy-in from the team, gets everyone playing the same game, and lets the advisor know, for those advisors, it's not just about him or her. The whole team matters. And I think this is game-changing because this begins to create a raving fans business where everyone knows they're valued, their interaction with that client matters big time. Well, that 
that's wonderful. And I think you hit on something that people sometimes miss is that importance of everybody on the team. I mean, you talked about before earlier about creating an A-team, but the A-team does include everybody that the client interfaces with or even doesn't interface with. It's that whole experience, you know, when you walk in somewhere and, you know, the, the person greeting you for whatever reason is not the friendliest person is immediately you're in a different thought process. And, you know, that, that we tend to forget that our clients are the same way. They come to, into our office and if they meet with somebody on the team who's not in that space, it's, it's challenging and people can tell when a business, when all the team members aren't on the same page. So I think that's wonderful that, you know, you try to have everybody buy into the same game plan and understand, you know, so they're all running the same place. Let's use all the sports analogies here. I love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I think one thing we should talk about uh, before we wrap up is you mentioned a raving fan and I know that's in your book. Uh, can you tell us about what is a raving fan and how does somebody create a raving fan? It's such a great question. Again, it's a new concept, I think, that the industry doesn't think about. And, you know, when I started looking at this, I started studying uh, Jerry Garcia and the Deadheads. And, and uh, you shared, which I'll share with everyone, you're, you're a Deadhead. And it intrigues me. I mean, he's dead, and yet people still go to their concerts. So I started reading, how did that happen? How did, how did this guy do this? And as I'm reading about him, he said it was not about the music. It was about the experience that everyone went there had. Everything from the food to I know they had a lot of drugs to the people around them. There was just this community, right? This experience. And I said, wow, that's interesting. Then Lady Gaga did the same thing. Jimmy Buffett did the same thing. And I said, it's about the experience if you want to have raving fans. So I began to apply that to this industry. I said, let's look at what experience they have with the entire team, not just with the advisor, it's with the entire team. What is that experience? And let's change that experience. So for example, a game changing, if you want more referrals, game changing, stop. You must have what I call a new client onboarding meeting and that has to be an experience. That has to be an experience with the team. They have to feel like amazing when they come into that. Like I'm at home, these people care about me, they're bright and they just have to have that experience. And when I started with my clients creating that, here's what happened as a result. Took in a new, I took in a, a guy about three years ago, he and his team, and we started doing this. His revenue went from 200 to 600 to over a million. That's game changing because people were like, this is amazing. And guess what they did? They referred people because they had a better experience. So this whole concept of creating an A-team that all cares, they all had value, they all can prospect. And when you add raving fans into it, it's like the perfect formula. It's just exploding people's businesses. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think it changes the conversation is because there are people who you know, we'll, we'll follow you and follow your advice and support you. And they'll look for the next thing and be eager. They'll be, hey, Andrea, I want to hear the next thing that you say, the next thing that you write, 
or our next meeting or whatever, they, they look forward to it rather than, oh boy, it's time to meet with Andrea again. You know, it's the end of the quarter. That, that it's, a, it's a, as you talk about, it's a mindset. And uh, I, I think it's so, yeah. you know, it's you hit so, on so many good points. And I think the thing that every advisor out there, rep out there should ask themselves, are they excited for client review meetings? I always ask that and everyone goes, I said, if you're not excited, why do you think your client's excited? And I said, the other thing I like to ask Tony is what's the value of what you do? And I'm, I'm gonna say two stats that are important for this industry to look at. This is why I know the experience has to change. Husband and wife, husband dies, woman inherits the money. 76% of women are gonna fire their husband's advisor. And that hasn't changed, why? because of the experience or no experience that she's had with him, right? Millennial children. Right now, parents die, they inherit the money. 80% of them are going to fire their parents' advisor. So we've got to look at those statistics which aren't changing and say, what is the experience that they're having? What do they want and or need that's missing to meet the needs of of these two populations, right? I mean, it's, it's really something that I began to look at and began to add, you know, what are the pieces? Well, how can we change what we're doing so it's not just client review meeting, like you said, boring 20 minutes, blah, 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 go through it, right? So these are the questions I continue to ask myself, which makes this exciting. I continue to go back to everything from people I know to advisors, to team members and say, we need to change this experience. And we're seeing the results. The results are huge. Yeah, I, I think the industry is changing. And, you know, I've heard the uh, statistic, you know, about uh, women leaving uh, the financial advisory uh, practice. I didn't know the statistic about millennials. Um, that's fascinating. Completely unsurprising, though, uh, you know, because it's it, 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 like you said, it's not an experience that there's not really anything there is maybe the, the person who had the original relationship, maybe they were a Raven fan, maybe not, but it was more transactional. So that's all wonderful. Um, so to wrap up, what's your number one tip for women working in financial services? I'd say the big tip I have for them, build your business. Think big and build your business. And, and, and I'll say to all women, you know, going back, having been a woman that played in sports when it wasn't fashionable and men certainly wanted us out. It's a little bit the same game now. Play your own game. Play your game and play it well. So if you go back, and I always listen to Kobe Bryant, right? Late Kobe Bryant. You know, he said, I loved it. He goes, who gets on your team? And Kobe Bryant said this, if you want to be first place, you can play with me. If you want to be second place, play with someone else. And, and, there's, and he said, uh, in, in, I'm going to recommend everyone go on YouTube and listen to him. He said, when I first started, I wanted to be number one. Those who want to play to win. And he said, but he said his jump wasn't big enough. He went through all the things with himself that would, and most people, they said, well, I can't make it because of X, Y, Z. So, but here's what he said. But he said, so I had to learn how to overcome it. If I didn't have the biggest, strongest hand, how would I overcome it? And he said, since I wanted to be the best, I had to practice more. And that's why he got up, what, four or five in the morning and shot 500 baskets because he wanted to be the best. So for women out there, 
Go play to win. Play your game. Take a cue from Kobe Bryant and other winners, Tiger Woods. Practice your own game. Be the best at what you be and build your business. That's how you're going to get to where you want to go. That's, that's great advice. And, you know, I, I, I'll round it out with a deadhead thing. Uh, it's many years ago, uh, Bill Graham put up at one of their shows is they're not only the best at what they do, they're the only ones who do what they do. Ah, you know, they, they played their own game. And I think that's such wonderful advice for everybody is, you know, be yourself. You've got skills. People are going to, you know, the right people, your raving fans are going to come find you. Uh, you know, if you do the work, like you said, that's you right. do have to do the work. That's hundred percent right. Yeah. So Andrea, where can people learn more about you? Where can they pick up a copy of Turnkey Secrets? That's great. They can go on my website, which is andreabullard.com. And I would like to invite everyone, if you go on there, you can purchase the book there. Please purchase it there. It's free shipping. Um, and also I'm going to give everyone two free systems. And you can go to andreabullard.com forward slash free. Because what's critical is that they get systems. And then in the book, I've written 28 systems for this industry. You don't have to reinvent this. And so I'm going to give you a case note template system that's invaluable. And number two, to hire an A team, I'm also going to give you a turnkey hiring system booklet. So if you go to andrewbullard.com forward slash free, you can download those two documents. It's a gift. Take them and, and use them. That's great. Um, those are great gifts for the members of the Females in Finance uh, community. And we will be posting a link so you can um, just click on the link uh, to check out Andrea's website, uh, pick up a copy of her book, pick up um, the two free systems. And uh, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us today on the Females in Finance Meet the Author Show. Tony, thanks. This is great. And uh, I, I would love to see all the women just rise to the top. As you know, it's, it's one thing, like I said, back when we fought for women's rights in sports and it's time for women to do this, but now they just have to dig in and play to win. And if I can help anyone, if they feel I may be the person that could help them take to the top, contact me and let's schedule time just to talk. I would love it. Well, that's great. And I think it is time for a change, you know, across, you know, gender, racial, uh, the whole thing is, you know, it's the industry is, as a friend of mine puts it, it's pale, male and stale, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I think sums up the financial services industry, unfortunately. And it is time to make that uh, change. So, you know, we'll wrap up again, Andrea, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And thank you to everybody who's tuned in to the Females in Finance Meet the Author Show. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about today's author or interested in joining the Females in Finance networking community? Be sure to subscribe at www.femalesinfinance.com.